Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, guys. Welcome to our show. Good people, welcome. By the way, I don't want to discriminate bad people. Welcome to our show as well. Anybody who want to learn more about branding, who want to develop and innovate brands, please welcome and listen to uh, all episode. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Uli Epibelban. How are you? Doing good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, for me, it's a big pleasure. I check out your profile. You know exactly about branding. Uh, I'm excited to learn more about creating brand awareness, how to go ahead with that. Before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and why you decided to share with us about Brandon. Yeah, well, uh, Uli Applebaum, the name. Uh, as you can hear, I'm German, but I live in the US. I've been living here for the last 20 years. Uh, my background has really been always in account planning and brand strategy um, for the last, at the beginning of my career, for the first 15 or so years in uh, various advertising agencies around the world. Um, and for the last uh, eight years or so, uh, with my own company here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, first the trousers, then the shoes. Um, because, you know, we moved to Minnesota for family reasons, for lifestyle reasons, and um, um, I wanted to continue to do what I love to do, so I decided to start my own company and work globally with uh, both small entrepreneurs and large global corporations. And uh, my fascination with branding has always been, actually started with my fascination with people and the concept of positioning, you know, is how do you, how do you get someone, how do I get you to think differently about my product or my idea or my cause, what do I need to tell you? How do I need to tell it to you for you to change your mind or, you know, find my proposition attractive? So that has been sort of like the red thread through my career. And that led uh, to me writing a book that was launched earlier this year about uh, the brand positioning workbook, which basically gives you the tools to come up with your own brand positioning um, because it's something I hadn't seen in the market out there, there are a lot of books about positioning, but there aren't many books or any books at all that show you step by step how to do it. So I wrote it. Nice, nice. <laughs> I love reading books. You know, it's my loving format. By the way, I check out. Uh, I, I ask my audience on LinkedIn uh, what is their loving format, and most of them uh, replied uh, courses. They love courses uh, more than any other format. Then videos and blogs and books. Uh, yeah, in there. But for me, I love reading books more because you know books are foundation. You know you can get a lot of more value. For example, if we compare how long does it take to write a book and uh, to write a blog post or uh, film a video, you know it's a big difference. You know people write books like six months and year a lot can you tell more about your book uh, i'll submit the link uh, in the description below guys if you want to get this book just uh, uh, open the link and you can buy it uh, tell more about your book provide a solid reason you know to read this book what kind of benefits well you can uh, readers uh, can get by reading your book yeah absolutely so your point is correct because uh, when the pandemic hit us two and a half years ago i decided my business crashed uh, short term so I decided now is a great time to write my book. I thought it's going to take me like three, four months to write it. It took me two years. Um, so it takes a little while <laughs> to write a book. But the book really gives you a step-by-step -step, um, uh, approach to building your own brand positioning, gives you a lot of tips and tricks. The feedback I get a lot about the book is like it's, it's a no-bullshit book. So it's not about my philosophy on branding. It's not about the new theory of 
Branding 3.0. It's really proven uh, principles and tactics that I've learned over the last 25 years. And a core element of the book, of the content, is um, the uh, identification of, I call them 24, 26 uh, sources of brand association. So a brand, the way I define it, it's really the sum of the associations you want to create for your offering amongst your consumer segment, right? So, um, and, and what I've done is I've looked at over 1,200 case studies of successful marketing uh, branding, and I've identified 26 sources of brand association. So what the book invites you to do is explore these 26 sources of brand association when developing your own brand positioning platform. And, um, um, you know, each, each source of brand association is described. There are examples given. Um, there are exercises and questions that allow you to think about it. So what it really does, it allows you to develop hypotheses, way more hypotheses on what your positioning could be um, because of the way the tool guides you and then allows you to choose from a broader pool of options and come up with an idea that is truly um, distinctive and differentiating. So it's very simple. It's step-by-step. -step. It's no nonsense. As I said, a lot of people call it a no-bullshit book, which is what I aspire to. So uh, it's meant to really be practical and it's valuable for young people, uh, students and let's say junior brand managers or junior strategists, but it's also um, valuable for very senior marketing people because um, what I've learned is, you know, when you grow in your career and you have your first successes, your brain starts to think, oh, that is a formula for success in what I'm doing. But this formula of success limits your options. So what this says is, hey, you may have, you know, three or four strategies that have worked for you in your career, but here are 22 others that you can look at to, you know, open your mind, look for different solutions, et cetera, et cetera. So long answer to your question. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> love it, love it. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, you mentioned this word, uh, differentiate. You know, uh, I, I see when brands usually copy uh, successful brands, uh, uh, for example, even marketing uh, books, uh, tutorials, uh, tell that you need to analyze your competitors uh, to find what works for them and uh, not copy like to replicate or do the same. But mm -hmm. I, I love this word, differentiate, because uh, I usually tell my customers, don't do the same because you know they uh, your competitors might use their strong sides they are successful in their strong sense you need to have your unique selling proposition and jump with that develop your strong sides for example uh, if best practices tell that uh, um, video can provide high engagement it doesn't mean that you need to film if you it's not your strong side if you don't know how to do if you are not uh, confident uh to film videos so you can write why not you can write the awesome text to get uh results can you tell about uh finding your uh internal voice for example uh how you differentiate uh yourself from other brands do you need to analyze them or consider uh, i don't know like your unique selling proposition tell more about that so um it's an interesting point you're making right and i actually just wrote an article about that recently which Differentiation matters, um, and Kantar, the research global research company, has shown through their own data that differentiation leads to more in-market success for a brand and allows you to justify a higher price premium as well, right? The, the, so it, it's absolutely essential. Um, 
The problem is that um, I think a lot of marketing people, you know, we've we've been conditioned to think what's important is the consumer benefit, not the product benefit, but the consumer benefit. Um, but the problem is most people then stop there. They think if I know what the consumer wants from some cereals or from um, I don't know, you know, a shaving cream, uh, which obviously I've been, I've not been using, um, you know, that's enough. So if I tell you shaves clean, it's going to be enough to get you to buy that product. The reality is you have 12 competitors that have found the same yeah. benefit and that also say shaves clean. So you need to find ways to differentiate yourself. Why do you shave cleaner? How come you shave cleaner? And that's what the book does. It gives you like 26 ways to look at it. Um, at, at, as a way to complement and amplify your benefit. Shave clean because we know Gillette, right? Three blades, then four blades, then five blades, then six blades. That's a way for them to to show their, their shave clean benefit performance. Um, but so mm -hmm. most, most companies focus just on the consumer benefit and then stop there. Mm -hmm. And I believe by trying to put dimension, context, color to the benefit you offer, then you start to differentiate yourself. Um, you know, mm -hmm. an example I yeah. like to use is, um, uh, you know, butter. Um, butter, you want butter to taste good um, and some type of butter also healthy. But you have like 26 brands of butter in the shelves that claim the same things. So how do you differentiate yourself? Uh, Kerrygold, mm -hmm. which is a brand I admire, tells you they are from Ireland, you know, from green pastures with happy cows that lead to better milk, yada, yada, yada. All of a sudden you have a different perception of what the brand is and why it tastes good um, that either motivates you or doesn't motivate you. Um, but that is a great way to differentiate yourself. And I yeah. do the same in my company, right? I'm not called Applebaum Brand Consulting. I'm called First the Trousers, Then the Shoes, because my core belief is that um, a strategy process is a creative problem-solving process. So it's creativity meets strategy. And creativity is based on a lot of rigor, a, a specific process that ticks, uh, tricks and tips on how to be more creative. It's not just you're sitting under the tree and wait for an apple to hit your head. That's not creativity. <laughs> you know, there is a rigor in creativity. And that's what I bring into my strategic processes. Hence the names, first the trousers, then the shoes. Nice, nice, awesome. Okay, uh, let's talk about strategy. Can you tell how to create a branding strategy? Uh, uh, because we have variety of different strategies, how to find yours and uh, to consider your brand persona and unique selling proposition. Okay. Well, first of all, I mean, just like everywhere else, it starts with your consumer, right? Who do you want to talk to? What is your consumer segment? And what defines your consumer segment? Then it's really about understanding what problem do they have you know is there can your brand solve a specific problem and the problem can be a functional problem an emotional problem you know i feel insecure in social environments so i need a drink that gives me liquid courage you know position against that mm -hmm. um, and then you need to understand okay uh, if my my proposition is liquid courage in a social environment let's say for my beer and i'm making stuff up here right i need to look at my competitive set what do they offer or does my proposition, um, uh, you know, differentiate itself from what everyone else offers? And if yes, how? So then you start to build your building blocks. Um, and that's how you slowly develop your strategy. Then you ask yourself the question, how do I reach those people? You know, what are the channels they use? What is the most um, opportune time to, um, to reach them? 
and you build your strategy like that. Um, and from a positioning perspective, which is my specialty, what you really ask yourself is, um, okay, I'm about liquid courage in a social environment. What do I want to associate with my brand for people to see me as such, right? So what are the brand associations I want to create? And once you define them, it's like, I'm for social context. I'm, um, you know, uh, give you courage. That's another association you can create. And maybe I have a higher alcohol content, which means you get buzzed faster, which means your courage comes in faster. Um, you know, making up an example here. So, you know, okay, higher content alcohol, social environment, liquid courage. I can talk to people and I'm the sort of like uh, the, the highlight of every party or several. So then when you have defined those, then you can say, okay, what do I need to communicate to create those associations? What does my advertising have to be? What is my online content have to be to create this perception? Um, and, and that's basically in a summary, in a very simple summary how you create your your strategy it's really not rocket science you know we like to make everything mm -hmm. very complicated but these simple questions are actually very difficult hard to um uh to answer so i'd rather focus on you know defining what your associations are what is it you want to be with a specific consumer segment that you understand and then what do you need to do to build those associations it sounds very simple um, but it's very difficult to do <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, let me share uh, my personal story. For example, uh, my son, you know, uh, 12 years old, when he needs new sneakers, uh, I, I can go to the shop and he told me, uh, I want to buy Nike. I'm not interested about any other brands. I need Nike. Uh, I love Nike. I don't know how we have many other great brands like Adidas, you know, Puma. Uh, and for me, uh, I don't care about branding when I'm buying sneakers because uh, I care about quality. Of course, I, uh, I can buy like Puma, Adidas, Nike. It doesn't matter for me because all of them are great brands. But he replied to me, I want a Nike. Can you tell how to build this brand loyalty? Uh, especially, you know, he's uh, 12 years old. Uh, he he's watching a lot of uh i don't know like uh, soccer stars and uh, they have this nike he wanna have this nike as well uh let me uh, share more about brand loyalty how to create this feeling <laughs> well the case of nike is uh, is is a great one right but it's also a unique one because um in the case of nike they've spent billions and billions of advertising dollars in building this persona right or this mm -hmm. myth um, and when you see what Nike does is, you know, they have cooperation with sports celebrities. Um, they always tie themselves to celebrities. But what I would argue is driving your son's desire to have Nike is what he hears in schools and what he sees his buddies doing, right? So yeah. if everyone in the school says, ooh, look at the latest Jordans, you know, $300 for a pair of sneakers, absolutely mind-blowing. Um, that's the cool thing. That's what the cool guys and the cool chicks wear at school. That's what you want. Why do the mm -hmm. cool kids wear those? Because of the billions of dollars of advertising. Um, you know, we have this debate in our family. Um, interestingly, my kids are not interested in Nike because I've been brainwashing them um, for Adidas and um, uh, Puma um, ever since I've I've grown up. Why? Because they're German brands, which I really like, and it's, it, that's the my loyalty type thing, right? So uh, my kids focus now on Pumas and Adidas um, and not so much on Nike. But 
so so the point is loyalty and that's that's maybe unique with nike is um um it's really what others think is cool makes you think what is cool right mm -hmm. other categories so there is a sort of like um self-expressive benefit associated with nike because i can see what shoes you're wearing you know what i mean but there are other products mm -hmm. where maybe um um, there's less of these self-expressive values associated with the brand. Um, and there, what drives loyalty usually is consistent product experience, right? If you love the taste of a specific liquor, for example, or a soft drink, um, mm -hmm. uh, you really like the flavor compared to have tried others, um, and you like the flavor, you're used to the flavor. It's a Coca-Cola example, right? You're, you, you're used to the flavor, and... Um, You've seen it everywhere and you've been drinking it for the last, I don't know, 20 years or so. You will go back to Coke. You will ask for Coca-Cola specifically. Now, the mm -hmm. interesting thing with Coke is if you do the blind mm -hmm. test with Coke and and uh, Pepsi, um, and there was this challenge campaign, right, for Pepsi a few years ago, the majority of people will say, ooh, Pepsi-Cola tastes actually better than Coke, unbranded. Uh -huh. But then you show the two brands side by side and the person would say, no, 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 I know I'm familiar with the flavor of Coke. I'm used to Coke. That's the, what I, the brand I'm loyal to. And you remember also like uh, many, many years ago, Coke tried to introduce the new Coke, right? Mm -hmm. So they tried to change the flavor of the base product, which compared as less favorable than Pepsi, as a reminder. So if, if in a blind test, people have the choice, they choose Pepsi. Uh, so it's, I would say at... Uh, an inferior taste, but even if you want to change that inferior taste, then all of a sudden consumers say, no, 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 are you crazy, Anatoly? You're changing my, uh, uh, you know, trusted, reliable, familiar taste. Go back to uh, to where we where we were and where we started. Uh, but that's a different way to build your loyalty. Um, if that nice, makes sense. nice. Yeah, well, I, I like your examples. Uh, and I discovered one thing that uh, book offers usually they are great with sharing stories. Um, I spoke with many book offers and uh, I found that they can share stories like, you know, for example, when I watch uh, advertisement from Apple, uh, I remember when Tip, uh, Tim Cook uh, presented new Apple Watch, he shared three stories. He didn't share a lot of features that uh, uh, how uh, this Apple Watch are great. He shared three stories how Apple Watch can help in common life, uh, different people. Uh, can you tell about uh, storytelling style? How to uh, how to use it? How to find the right story? Because, for example, I think all brands possibly they have different stories how to find the right way because uh you know um some stories are not interested to learn to read to consume because uh yeah it's just boring uh yeah tell about your way of setting stories well that that comes back to the book so thanks for asking this question um uh, first of all again it comes back to understanding your consumer right some consumers want the technicalities some want the features right and you see youtube YouTube is full of videos where people spend hours talking about the various features, you know. And for the Apple Watch, let's say you might be, you might have a person out there that wants a battery that lasts 48 hours, not only 12 mm -hmm. hours, you know. So that might be important to them. The reality is trying to compete on features for a brand is a very dangerous proposition because either you really need a better product um, because 
competition is not is not stupid, right? They see you being successful, so they will try to beat you. So if you come up with a a watch that has an eight-hour battery, and you say, "Ooh, look at that! Eight hours. That's so cool." The next day, you have someone who said, "Well, mine is ten hours. That's cooler." You know, and then the following day, you have one that says, "Ooh, mine is twenty-four hours. That's even best." So, trying to differentiate yourself um, beyond uh, beyond uh, brand attributes and specs is really important. Now, that's uh, the other reason for that is brands are often used as a sort of like self-expression, right? Uh, they feel a sort of like, I see myself as an adventurous guy, um, or I see myself as a tech guy. So I will buy the brand that is the most, that has the biggest sort of like technology persona, because that fits with my image. Or if I'm the sort of like adventure guy, I'm going to go with the brand that is the most adventurous, you know, that looks like, ooh, it has been out there and... and so the, the brands feel an emotional and a psychological need that is not feature-driven, um, that if you understand that as a marketer and build a brand to tap into that needs, you really create this unique connection with your consumers and you really differentiate yourself with a brand out there. Um, an example that comes to mind is like when you think about watches, right? Look, luxury watches. You have Rolex. Rolex is all about status. I made it. You know, I, I purchased a Rolex and hopefully it's not a fake one from Asia. Um, so, you know, I, I made it. I probably have my Rolls Royce out there. Then you have other brands like um, uh, Breitling. Breitling is sort of like with this aviator look, um, you know, with their aviator watch. That is more for the adventurous type. I'm a worldly person. I travel the world. I'm an adventurer. Um, so I prefer to associate myself with a Breitling. Then you have like Patek Philippe, um, another exclusive Swiss brand. Um, you know, that's all about craftsmanship. That's all about the precision of this craftsmanship in the watch. If that's what I, I, I resonate with, um, that's what I'm going to attract me. So you can see how, um, you know, these different brand uh, positionings appeal to a different mindset, um, you know, uh, and, and that's and none of them has to do with, you know, they all give you the time um, and they all have a mechanism that gives you the time precisely. So that's the features are not important. It's the imagery you identify with and you project that becomes important. Same again with Adidas, Pumas and Nike, right? They all do good shoes. Um, you know, I'm not sure you can really notice a difference in performance in the shoes as well, but it's mm -hmm. the imagery you associate yourself with. Um, as I, because of my German background, go for Adidas and Puma. Uh, your kid, because he sees his buddies in school with uh, with Nike, wants a Nike. You know, nothing to do with the uh, performance of the shoe <laughs> or the quality of the laces or the quality of the sole or any of that of that yeah. um, functional stuff. Again, yeah. Too long of an answer to your question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's hard. It's hard to explain uh, to my to, to my son that uh, care about quality. <laughs> what is the big difference between brands? You know, just quality is more important. Now I need Nike, so what I can do? Okay, Nike is good quality as well. So. Of course, it's not a bad. It's, yeah. it's a great quality, but yeah, do you need to pay three hundred bucks for a pair of sneakers? Yeah. No, I don't think. Yeah. You do, but that's. Other people, I mean, look at the success they have, right? A lot of people think it's worth paying $300 for a Jordan or, you know, yeah. whatever else prices you pay. So it taps into a need that people have. 
people feel better yeah. when they wear a 300 pair of sneakers. Luckily, it's not my kids, so I'm, I'm lucky here. <laughs> yeah, uh, by the way, it creates happiness. So, for example, <laughs> if, <laughs> if he has Nike, uh, he's more happy. So, yeah, of for course. me, it's important. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you mentioned this word uh, creativity. Uh, can you tell how uh, it's hard to be creative? Uh, because, you know, uh, um, I see when um, brands usually copy others, replicate the same the same marketing message uh, but uh, creative marketing uh, works much better you know you can remember uh, tell how to develop creativity for example in your marketing message so the way i look at it is um uh, you know there are a couple of things going on first of all and i've learned that in my 20 plus year career is like when you see a competitor doing something different right yeah you automatically assume they know something that you don't and they have sort of like found a secret formula. Now, ironically, this competitor is sitting at the same conference room table and thinks you have a secret formula <laughs> and you know something they don't know, right? So there's constantly this, what does my competition do? What can I replicate? What do they know that I don't? That's number one. Number two is, and I speak about that in the book as well, is we have biases, right? We have ways of thinking that come from our experience, our beliefs, um, a whole variety of things that are very helpful because they help us simplify life, but that are really not helpful um, when you're trying to think creatively. Thinking creatively means simply think outside the box, things in ways that is different from the way you do things differently. And that sounds cool, right? A creativity is sort of like a value that everyone wants and cherishes, but it's extremely difficult to get over your own self to come up with an idea. You know, hey, um, uh, Anatoly, I'm going to have a, a new great uh, healthy dish for you that is mainly made out of ants and uh, out of ants. You know, great mm -hmm. protein source, tastes delicious and is crunchy. You know, mm -hmm. a very unusual idea. You're probably going to say, well, you're completely crazy. I'm never going to touch that. Uh, <laughs> the same happens with ideas. You know, if mm -hmm. I tell you a pair of sneakers that can, um, I don't know, um, that are made with banana peels, you know, very sustainable, uh, unlike what the reputation bananas have doesn't stick. So you have a great grip, grip on the ground. You're going to say, okay, that's a stupid idea, you know, but that's the, the notion of creativity and our own frame of references um, uh, prevents us from accepting that as a good idea. Now, the beauty of mm -hmm. that is the brain can easily be distracted. Um, and that's what the book, again, is all about. Because I give you 28 way, 26 ways to look at a specific problem. And that distracts you from your own way of thinking. And then I give you in the book techniques and tactics that um, um, allows you to overcome your own biases as well. So um, creativity for me is often in two um, takes place in two steps. The Germans have this uh, this uh, expression that says, you have to detach yourself from a problem to solve it. Um, mm -hmm. um, and in German, detach and solve is the same word. But the point is, if I, let's say, um, ask you, let's say, let, let's try to solve the category problem you've been working on for the last 20 years. Um, you're going to obsess with Ooh, everything I know, everything I've learned, every idea I've always had. If I tell you, for example, now, well, how would 
a business person you admire um, solve for that problem? Or no, I'm going to be more provocative. How would Putin solve that problem? Now, Putin, for one, is not a person that everyone um, um, you know likes. Um, actually, it's probably more mm-hmm. the negative. So overcoming this effective barrier is already a way to get out of your comfort zone because he's still running one of the biggest countries and one of the biggest economy in the world. So he's doing something right, even though we don't like him, right? So how would Putin solve your specific problem? So all of a sudden, you think differently about your problem because you don't think in your terms about it. You think in terms of Putin's problem about it. So I'm using mm-hmm. Putin specifically because in all creativity, you will hear how would Richard Branson solve the problem? You know, how would Elon Musk solve the problem? But this is like so boring that um, that I like to look for other uh, personalities or business people out there uh, to to, um, to change the way you think about it. Another way to think about it, and those are all techniques described in the book, is like, you know, uh, one of my favorite examples which shocks people sometimes is, let's say you have a brand and you want to convince mom that it's a great brand for them as mom. You know, moms are busy, yada, 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 you know, all that stuff. So one exercise is is to do a, a negative brainstorm. It's to start by asking the question, what are all the things I can do to piss off a mom? You know, literally the opposite to what you're trying to achieve. Um, you know, what can I do, uh, I'm Nike, for consumers to really not want to buy my brand and my products or to really piss them off. So you create this list of negative. And the interesting thing about we are destructive by nature, right? So it's easier to break something than to build something. You know, you see that with little children. Children like to break everything they touch. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just in our nature. So create your list of negatives. What do I need to piss off moms? And then go through your list again and say, okay, what would be the exact opposite now to engage moms or to get mom's affinity? Um, so that's a different technique to trick your brain into thinking differently. You know, if I ask you, okay, what can you do, Anatoly, to to appeal to moms? Uh, I'd be like, uh, show that we understand the situation, show them that the kids will like it, and then I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. If I ask you, what do, can we do to piss off moms? Trust me. The two of us are going to come up with a list of 40 items um, much quicker than, than, than if we try to appeal to moms. And then if we go to the 40 items and reverse them, uh, we come up with ideas we haven't thought of before. So those are all tricks and techniques to get your brain to think differently or to use yeah. the natural energy of your brain. So uh, lots of things here. Yeah, so valuable. Love it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, interesting. Uh, uh, okay, let's talk about uh, how to uh, learn customers. Because, you know, I, I see two ways. Uh, the first way, uh, by using uh, data, online studies, tools. Uh, um, and the second way, uh, traditional way, to talk to customers, to know their pain points, to spend time with customers. Uh, can you tell, of course, uh, I'm not sure that the best way exists, uh, but from your experience, uh, how it's better to learn customers today? So that's interesting. Um, and there are a gazillion of answers to that question, right? Is the more I learn and the more I'm in this business, the more basic I become, so to say. Um, and I look at them as basic human beings with basic human needs. 
So, yes, I can look at your son, you know, and say, okay, he's a teenager, he's probably into video gaming, he's probably into, you know, Discover Girls, so in the, the romance, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I can look at all these things. He's using TikTok, so maybe I need to, you know, learn from TikTok how I can appeal to him. That's number one. Or I can say, you know, what is his basic need? Well, maybe a basic need is he wants to be accepted by his buddies, you know, or he wants to be admired by his buddies. So the two lenses get you some very different insights and understanding of your consumer segment, right? Um, one thing I've learned, for example, I do a lot of B2B work as well with software companies. You know, you can talk to a, a CTO or CIO um, about a gazillion of things that are not going to interest him. He wants to know how is it going to solve my problem, my pain point, and is my board of director going to give me the money to uh, buy the software solution? That means, is um, the software solution relevant to the top three, four strategic priorities um, that uh, the company is trying to deliver against? Uh, they work very differently. If you want to develop a global brand, you come back to um, what I said about you know human basic truth. Um, Every woman wants to be feel beautiful, um, you know, and feel attractive. Not not because men tell her that is that's how she wants to feel. That is yeah. true in Japan. That is true in the U.S. That is true in Nigeria. Uh, so when when you develop, let's say, a global brand, you start to go down at that very level. Um, if you want, for example, to be more, and then of course you need to execute in a way that is relevant to Japan, to Nigeria, and to the U.S. So. It cannot be the same execution. Um, if you want to become a culturally relevant brand, you want to be like the cool brand every teenager speaks about, then you go into social media and understand what are the memes, what are the conventions, what TikTok videos are popular, and how can I borrow from that in my own brand to be appealing. Um, I wrote recently a post on LinkedIn about a liquid death, um, the water, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with them. Liquid Death is a mm -hmm. is a brand of water in a in an aluminium can, um, and they go against plastic bottles, right? They have a sustainability claim, but what mm -hmm. they've done is they've created this sort of like online community, so very social media savvy um, to be to try to be culturally relevant. So depending on what your strategy is and what your affinity is the way you want to learn about and understand consumers is going to change and it's going to vary, right? Again, yeah. I think the theme of this conversation, and uh, Anatoly, is long answers to your short questions. Sorry for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I like your examples, you know, because, you know, for me, it's much better to learn from examples than just mm -hmm. uh, uh, to listen uh, or read the same stuff. Okay, uh, I have the question about common mistakes that you, uh, that you can see, you know, uh, by creating brand awareness, what it's better not to do today? Well, that's a tough one, right? Um, especially if you address brand awareness. Um, it looks like the trend is the more provocative you are, the more awareness you're going to create, right? Unless you have billions of dollars. Um, that you can spend to reach everyone on earth and, and you know, reach them three times. So if you don't have the money, um, the question is always how provocative can you be and do you have to be 
to get people's interest, right? Um, and what we see is that the edges of society have the, the smallest group with are on the edge of society have the loudest voices, right? The silent mm -hmm. minority is sort of like more quiet. Um, so I guess one of the risks is really to try to be on this edge without crossing the line, because if you cross the line, you backfire. Um, the other thing is, I hate the word authenticity, right? But the opposite of that is like, don't bullshit your consumers. You know, uh, this is greenwashing in sustainability. This is trying to be yeah. something you are not. Because consumers will slap this around your face in no time once they spot it. You know what I mean? So yeah. be true to what you have. And if you're quirky and if you're nerdy, be true to that nerdiness. You know, if you're a brand of soda, don't try to pretend you're saving the world and bringing together the world in harmony. Uh, people are not going to buy that. You know what I mean? So don't bullshit people and play with the edges, but try not to cross them, which is a very difficult thing to do. So those are two big mistakes you can do. Uh, the yeah. third mistake is the opposite of the edge is try to be mainstream, right? I want to be liked by everyone and I want to say things that do not um, rub people the wrong way and that everyone can agree with. So you're basically going to be boring. That is the worst thing you can do if you're trying to get attention, right? Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Uh, and I have the final question about, uh, let's imagine, you have no experience, uh, you didn't uh, write a book, uh, you, you need to start from scratch. What will you do to learn more about branding today? About, sorry, about what? Uh, creating brand awareness about about oh. branded positioning anything yeah well i guess what i did again come to the biases right is that worked for me is i when i was a student um, and started my career i learned from other case studies right mm -hmm. i learned from what made the brand successful i tried to learn from um, everyone who was out there and uh, was successful what do they do what can i learn from that so it's, it's simply copying you know that's at the core that yeah. that's how you learn a skill you copy until you that's when you learn drawing for example right what you do is you you first fill out a frame you paint by numbers you copy a template that is in front of you and try to replicate it and then when you become more familiar with that you sort of like develop your own style. You start to create your own thing. It's a craft. That's the way I look at mm -hmm. marketing. It's a craft. And you need to learn the principles of the craft by learning from those who do it well. And then once you've learned that, you can go beyond that and create your own book or your own thought process about how to get to a solution. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it's, there is no, no um, you know, I, I resist... Um, Everyone who tells me, oh, marketing is dead, um, uh, you know, uh, the rules of marketing don't apply anymore, everything is new. You know, the way I look at it is caveman, when he went hunting, came home with, uh, you know, a, a dead animal and was hoping that his wife would like it. And the, the cave woman would probably in the cave picking up the berries, thinking like, oh, I hope my hubby came up with something good and I hope my hubby will show me some recognition or some affection for all the work I've been doing. These basic <laughs> yeah. human truths uh, have always been true um, and will always be true. And uh, probably the cave woman was probably bitching that the caveman didn't take care of the kids, right? And all the child-related work was up to her. Again, 
has been going on since the, the history of human <laughs> beings. And I think that's exactly the, the case in marketing. Understanding basic human motivation, understanding what worked in the past, and then translating it, right? It's not about just replicating. It's like people want to be social. Today we have social media. How does that um, translate this drive to, to share how cool you are on your Instagram food shots? You know, the, the need has always been there. Now Instagram gives you a different way to do it. So you adapt in how you execute, but the core drivers and core needs are still the same. So learn those drivers, learn those needs, learn mm. why your son buys once Nike, what, what drives it. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah, I agree. I couldn't agree more with that. I think market, marketing is not that. The era of lazy marketers is that, you know, when someone want to replicate, uh, don't uh, use creativity, uh, don't try to differentiate yourself. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that things uh, don't work today. Willie, uh, it's a big pleasure. Yeah, it's a big pleasure to get my show to learn from you. Tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you. Yeah, so appreciate it. So thanks for having me first. I enjoyed the chat. Um, best way to reach me is really through LinkedIn. Uh, Uli Applebaum, you see my name um, uh, on the screen. That's the best way to reach me or uh, through my website, which is first-d-trousers.com, uh, which speaks about my clients, gives some you know credentials from my clients, the work I do, etc., etc. So, Or you just Google me and I'm sure I'm going to pop up somehow and some kind of like weird link. Uh, if you just search me in the Google search bar. So um, uh, that's the best way. Nice. Guys, you need to do it because you can see a lot of valuable insights. And one more, read book. Read book because you can get a lot more by reading this book. Uh, I'm going to do it because I have a huge list of books that I need to read. And yeah, I, I put your book on this list because I, 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 I want to learn more about branding, about creating brand awareness. So yeah, it's my stuff. I love it. Thanks for that. <laughs> okay, guys, you can find all these links in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify, and see you next time. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.